say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Houston, Annapolis Center, do you have any test operations in restricted area 2508? Aries 31, roger. Traffic is quite luminous and is exhibiting some nominalistic motion, over. Roger, Aries 31, continue to send at your discretion, over. Okay, Senator. The traffic is approaching head-on, ultra-bright, and really moving. Right by it, right now. There are a thousand UFO sightings reported around the world every month. 90% of these sightings can be explained. But 10% cannot. Officially and unofficially, the U.S. military has been investigating UFOs since 1947. Their top secret goal is to find out what's behind these unexplained sightings. The Pentagon classifies them as unusual airborne anomalies. But a better term is X-Files. Join us now as Mac, Wanwan, and Commander Cobra explore these unsolved cases, UFO incidents that baffle even the U.S. military. This is Mac Maloney's Military X-Files. And now, here's Mac Maloney. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to Mac Maloney's Military X-Files show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. What a show we have for you tonight. But first, we have to introduce the members of the posse. As the kids say, uh, girls, sit yourselves down, get your fan, get your mister, get your big box of Kleenex and your mid-sized pack of wipes. Very famous one wine is here. Hello, Mac. Hello, girls. Welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here, as always. Is it? Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. I missed you last week. Really? I'm bumming. I didn't get your card. <laughs> Speaking of cards. Anyway. No, co- speaking of cars, no Coco tonight. He's on a secret mission. He sent me a secret message, so secret I couldn't even decipher it. Decipher it, it. okay. So. <laughs> and that's the truth. So anyway, um, he might be calling in later on. We don't know. Uh, but um, up there in the Bowl of Flakes, Battle Creek, Michigan, the Battle Creek of the Republic is our national correspondent, Switchblade Steve Waugh. Switchy. 
It is great to be here and great to have moved up another notch so another. that, uh, you know, I get a slightly better paycheck. Wow. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, the checks in the mail is always, mail. Richie. Listen, now, last week when when J.J. wasn't here, I have on tape you two guys fighting over who comes next on the totem pole. Do you remember that? Can you remember back that far? I, I don't remember fighting. No, I, I think it was pretty. I think it was pretty obvious who should be there. There should have been no fighting. <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, up there in um, the great state of New York, west of New York, northern New York. Who knows? Northern New York. Who knows? <laughs> upstate New York. There's only two places in New York: city and upstate. She's upstate. Our good friend Raven. Raven, we get a clap. Come Raven, on, how are you? Take this clap. Somewhere in New York. With love from us. Raven, how are you? Hi, thanks for having me again. Okay. You bet. Upstate uh, Buffalo, Syracuse? No, uh, Binghamton. Binghamton. <laughs> Binghamton. Binghamton, New York, where Rod Serling grew up. So Wasn't anyway. there a General Binghamton on uh, the Sergeant Bilko show? No. Uh, n- yes. No, not uh, no. Binghamton. Uh, uh, Oh, he was Navy. Uh, oh, McHale's Navy. Uh, okay. I don't, yeah, 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 yeah. Why do you have yeah, to go McHale's down? Navy, Bimington. Bimington. That's right. right. Why do you have to go down Senior Citizens Lane? It's not Senior Citizens Lane. i got to cut this off. Hey, the TV land stuff. You know, you don't have to yeah. cut that out. All right. Raven knows it. Let's ask. Raven, have you ever heard of um, McHale's Navy? McHale's Navy. No. Uh, it's out. It's out. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so coming up on the show tonight, we have uh, Gary Olson, our good friend, Hollywood author, very famous Hollywood author, Gary Olson. He's going to, he has the top ten. He's going to be discussing the top ten scariest movies ever made. Okay? Yeah. You ready for that? I know. Our good friend Raven's going to be uh, reading off the list. Cool. Okay. Uh, also. Did you get the list, Raven? Yeah, I hope so. Um <laughs> Also, I just wrote one down real quick. I just made it up. Oh, okay. Super. Okay. All right. We need 20 extra minutes. And Bill Stillman, our good friend Bill Stillman, is coming on. And he uh, has a recent video, The Ghost of Gettysburg. Ghost of mm. Gettysburg. Mm. He um, He's a psychic. Here he is calling right now. Uh, he is a uh, psychic, and he went to the battlefield. And that's supposed to be the most haunted place like in america yeah who's that guest we have on that once in a while that does battlefield tours yeah right yeah he's on um yeah i forget his name it was a woman i thought (laughs) commander cobra i don't know battlefield tours it's you know seeing ghosts and stuff oh yeah yeah. experiencing them well listen when we do this when we try to get her on the phone why don't we do this when we take a break right now all right and uh we'll be back with the rest of the show anything else going on we don't want to comment on your outfit because we don't want to time the show but Anything else going on with you? Besides that? Yeah. No. Well, you got new you got new tires on. You got yeah, new, I got yeah. red sneakers. Really? Yeah. What's that mean? Anything I should know uh, about? I don't know. No. Okay. It reminds oh. me of Elvis Costello song. Oh, really? Okay. Angels want to wear my red shoes. That's harmless. Okay. So uh, why don't we uh, take a break now, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Mac Maloney's Miltrex Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. We'll be right back after this. Do you know where the world's most secret bases are located? Do you know what spooky action at a distance means? Is there a conspiracy by aliens to prevent us from conquering space? 
and where is the best place in the United States to see a real UFO? Find the answers to all these questions and more in Mac Maloney's new book, Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe. Visit places you never knew existed. The Phantom Tunnels of Tokyo, the UFO Trail in South America, Hong's Hat, and the very mysterious M-Triangle. Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe contains hundreds of reports on ghosts, haunted planes and ships, weird celebrity deaths, mysterious sounds, and a breakdown of every monster in America, state by state. You've heard him talk about it on the radio. Now, get all of Mac's paranormal research in one large volume. Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe, with a forward by the very famous One One. On sale now in your local bookstore or on Amazon.com. Everyone to Mac Maloney's Mill Tracks show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. Wow, what a show we have for you tonight. But let me quickly introduce the members of the posse in the studio with us tonight. Girls, the very famous Juan Juan is here. Hello, Mac. Hello, girls. Welcome to the show. And uh, we can't forget the guys. Really? And all the uh, ships at sea and all the sailors. And mm-hmm. What do you call a female sailor? Uh, Sailorette? I don't know. I thought it was a joke. I thought it was a punchline. No, just, it just occurred to me. Sure. Sailorette. Sounds good. A wave. A wave. A wave. A wave. That's right, it's yeah. The, the man in the dock. Of course. There's no CC tonight. He's on a secret mission. We're Coco Freak. Uh, up there in Battle Creek, Michigan, the Battle Creek of the Republic, is our national correspondent, Switchblade Steve Watt. Switchy. Great to be here tonight. Okay, now listen, are you going through something? Because you used to have donuts in your background. I have a guy with a gun to his head. What's going on? Oh, from the deer hunter. Okay. And what's that? Is that the church you were married in? This in the is back? the, this is Hill House. Oh, is it really? Yeah, from the haunting of Hill House. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay, all right. So yeah. uh, also, I guess for uh, the night, it's a very lovely Raven up in upstate New York. Raven, thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, thanks for having me. Hi, back. Raven. There you go. Look at Good you. to see you. This is Juan Juan. Yeah, he's been talking to him for two hours off, <laughs> you know, off, know. off mic, and now he's being nice to him. Listen, let's get back to, not that you weren't being nice before. How should I, I put that? I was being uh, totally you're, appropriate. You're turning on your Kavaka with the other gender. I was totally appropriate. Okay, so far. Wasn't I, Raven? The night's early. Hang on. I, I think you're being... Okay, thanks. Let's get back to Switchy. Okay, talk about inappropriate behavior. So listen, Switch. This is our biggest part of the show. We skew very high when we talk to Switch about what he had for breakfast. So, Switchy, what did you have for breakfast this morning? <laughs> this morning, <clears throat> I had two frozen waffles. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, now, as you know, last week I had something similar, but I, yes. I couldn't use the bacon because uh, the go. bacon was, uh, I don't know, probably a year and a half past its expiration. Date. So yeah. this time I got some bacon, which is was in bad. the parameters of where I could actually cook it and eat it. So <laughs> waffles, uh, log cabin syrup, uh, uh, the uh, I can't believe it's not butter, soft spread and yes. hot black coffee. Wow. Okay. Hey, listen, let's talk about that. You can't believe it's yeah. not butter. You know why? Because it's not butter. <laughs> isn't it like, it looks like butter. Polymers. Polysaturated. Uh, okay. Look at, look at this. Switch, Switch is, we should be a TV show. He's the mirror of health. Look at him. He can eat this junk all day and there's nothing wrong. He looks wrong. fine. Looks fine. You look fine. You look fine. I mean, I'm a real butter guy with perhaps a little sea salt. I've got filters on the on the lens. Really? Okay. <clears throat> and good makeup, people. Good makeup. Good makeup. That helps. Get the handsome filter, the makeup filter. That's right. Having a haunted house behind you also helps. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of haunted houses, we have to talk to this guy who, because he worked in the agency for 25 years, he insists on keeping his face in shadow. Even though yeah. I've known for 40 years, he looks exactly the same. He's incognito. He's incognito. We're going to mention his name anyway, though. For no reason at all. It's Gary Olson. I'm pretending I'm Deborah Clare in The Innocence. Really? You're pretending to be old Hollywood actresses uh, now? Yeah? Okay. That's it? Yeah, we should have had an intervention. Set in the mood. Should have had an intervention for you a long time ago. Listen, Gio is a very, very famous uh, Hollywood writer. The name of your book is 15 Directors. What's the subtitle there? It's really the, the, the title is The 15 Geniuses Behind the Lens. Behind the Lens. How the top directors of all time yes. influence the movies we see today. Wow. Well, okay. Did you get that whole title on the cover? How do you know? It goes around to the back. Cover, I did. It? Very small there's, font. There's no way it fits down the spine, though. Very small font. No. <laughs> Anyway, no, no, I just had to abbreviate everything. <laughs> yeah, that's the way to do it. You are good at your craft, though. What, uh, one of these days, they're going to get a copy of your book. Oh, you can find it on Amazon.com. Amazon.com. The 15 Geniuses Behind the Lens. I will get it. Gary Olson, G O, the big G O, the big O, used to call. But anyway, that's another show. So listen. The big O. <laughs> Talk about being inappropriate. <laughs> it was ironic. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that a movie back in the seventies? Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. What, we don't called the Big O. The Big O. Maybe. To, yeah, we don't want this a road. We don't, want, we don't want. No, we don't. We, want, we don't want to get on that that road either. So listen, why don't we do this? Let's take the no, let's take the good road, the high road. Okay. We have a list, a top ten list of the. Most scariest movies ever made. Okay? Ever made. Uh, Gary Olson, because he's an expert on Hollywood, is going to comment on the top ten scariest movies, and Raven is going to read off the list for us. Okay? Are we ready? Are we ready, Juan Juan? I'm ready. Okay? Everyone's good? Okay. Raven, let's start with number ten, please. Now, there's a little bit of a zoom delay. Okay, go ahead. Let's go. Number ten. Okay, at number 10, we have the Blair Witch Project, 1999. The Blair Witch Project, Gary, right? Cheap but made tons of money, correct? Yeah, really. This uh, holds the Guinness 
book of records uh, ratio. It was made for sixty thousand dollars, mm. and uh, it uh, ended up uh, making two hundred forty-eight million. That's amazing. Low budget and uh, low budget. They just right. uh, broke the bank. On the- Damn, sixty thousand bucks, but. A couple you know, of cheap cameras and uh, talking to one, it. You know? I think it was one camera. Was one? I never saw it, yeah, but I know it's from that point of view. But no, the, there's a couple of cameras, but there, the, one of the cameras, they, they supposedly bought at Circuit City. Remember that? I and, do remember, yeah. It, yeah. So they returned it for full refund after, the, really. after they shot the movie. Wow, that's a small budget. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh-oh. No way. Well, they had to hire one Blur Witch, though, right? There's only one Blur Witch. Do you even see yeah, it? Yeah, uh, it was a made-up. It was a made-up legend. What did they do with the money? They never made another movie, did they? Exactly. Either Good. that, they made a blockbuster, and they lost it all so, they were smart. in Hollywood. They would have smart just to get out, you know. That would have been, you know. But I do remember this about it, is that they were on, so they must have had some kind of good PR person, or whoever the distributor who picked up the movie had some ends, because they were on the cover of Time and Newsweek that – on the same week, okay? Yeah. Wow. You can't get publicity like that. No. That's unbelievable. So I never saw it, but it did It did um, spawn a lot of other movies. I saw it. Ever see Cloverdale? Is it called Cloverdale? It's like a... Um, oh, same kind Cloverdale. of thing. Yeah. That's a cool movie, man. I saw The first time I saw it, I said, this stinks. But then I saw it a second time, and it's really, really good. It's it's a, it's a like Godzilla in New York, and it's it, you know one person with a camera recording an entire night. Hmm. It's good. You know, it's a good movie. So anyway, uh, number nine, please. Film number nine, scariest movies in the world. Number nine, please, Claire. I mean, uh, Raven. Raven, number nine. Okay, number nine, we have The Haunting, 1963. The Haunting, Gary, you're going to have to tell uh, us about this. Yeah. The Haunting. Yeah, this is where a, uh, a small group of people were invited by a paranormal investigator to, investigated to investigate some strange goings on in a haunted house. And uh, Robert Wise, you know, he directed uh, hey, West Rick. Side Story. Yep. And uh, I believe uh, Sound of Music. <laughs> really? <laughs> he got uh, entailed in this one. He just found that it was so exciting to oh, yeah. do this particular movie. This movie, to me, when I saw it, this had the best sounds. You never see the ghosts. Interesting. But the sounds are so realistic. You see uh, walls bulging in and out. Huh. I never see any phantoms or anything like that. That's and cool. It's one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. See, that's good. If you don't show I just the watched it again recently. Yeah. Is and it- I paid attention to some of the the way they did the angles and the, the, the statues and the art. I mean, it was uh, hmm. uh, it would be probably a course in itself to to uh, understand how they did the, the set dressing and, and, and how they uh, uh, had all the angles because there's nice. something – Super creepy about it, and you're right. They got it was the most one of the most effective films, horror films ever done. And there's no apparitions, there's no ghosts. That's cool. There's no blood. Well, yeah. let's see, is there any blood? No, you just no have blood. to imagine it all. Yeah, well, that's even better. That's yeah. better. That's a better way to do it. You know, what's a ghost look like? You don't have to show them. Um, so is it black and white or is it color? Black and white. Black, oh, black and white. Yeah. I have to watch it again. Okay. Uh, Mon Scorsese, who I uh, wrote a whole chapter to in my incredible book. Yes. This is his favorite horror film. Oh, by the way. Let's screw him. He's a well, terrible. I heard director. that Robert Wise was reading <laughs> the go. book by Shirley Shirley Jackson, right? 
Surely and uh, he was he was reading it during his lunch break or whatever. Somebody came in the room and he jumped and he thought oh, yeah. if if a book could make him jump, oh. it would be worth it to try and get the rights yeah. to the film and rights to the book and, oh. and make a film. Well, anyway, yeah, so it is a scary movie. So uh, please, um, Raven, number eight, the eighth scariest movie ever made. At number eight, we have The Conjuring from 2013. Yeah, now I did not see this, but Gary, I'm assuming you did. Gary. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's set in Rhode Island, right near your homestead. That's, this is what really intrigues me about this movie because everybody's looked for a house through a realtor. Mm-hmm. And that, I live down in Virginia, and if there was something bizarre going on with this house, the realtor would have to tell prospective buyer yes like if there was a suicide a murder yes you know what's going on yes but, but in rhode island apparently they uh, they don't they're not required the real estate well. people aren't required to notify the prospective buyer and so these this couple bought this uh little farmhouse where through several several generations there had been Murders. A eleven-year-old girl was murdered. There was uh, uh, suicides, poisoning, death. What I mean, there was two I drownings, mean. four four men froze to death. I mean, it was. Wouldn't you just it, move? It was incredible. And Why so, wouldn't you move? That's the house that they inherited. Why wouldn't you move out of the house? <laughs> move out of Rhode Island. You know, at least, right? You're well, sitting there saying, "I think we bought a bill of yeah, goods here." Yes, right. Now, listen. We had a woman on. Two months ago, one of the ghost sisters. Remember the ghost sisters? Yeah. One was a prison guard, and the other one was a real estate person. And she told us that wherever they were in Illinois or Indiana, that if you have a haunted house right. or a house that someone was murdered in, uh, so you have to reveal it. You have yeah. to reveal it to the person. That's in most contracts, I thought. Is it really? Yeah. yeah? Oh, yeah. man. I, I, a friend of mine's a real estate guy in Massachusetts, but he didn't want to come on the show. To tell us, but he says it's. I, I, I think the, it might be unofficially, but boy, I wouldn't. I don't know. I don't, you can get the house cheap. I don't know why I'm looking. We're in a haunted radio station. Well, we, yeah. yeah, we better keep our mouth shut. Listen, anyway. Let's well, let go. me uh, let me just interject here. I live in Fredericksburg, Virginia, which is one of the more haunted yes. uh, cities in the United States because of the Civil War and everything. So yes. there's a couple blocks away. There's an old right right next to where George Washington's mother lived. Uh, there, there was an old inn that uh, apparently there's a ghost and it does not like kids. Okay. And whenever there were kids living there, it would just hound them so much they had a had a movement. So well, the realtor every time. She shows uh, shows a house. Has to say, if you got kids, forget about living in this house because really? it's sure is a ghost, and he doesn't like or she doesn't like kids. Okay. All right, okay. <laughs> All right. So you, you turn your life upside down for a ghost. That's, That's pretty okay. cool, though. A ghost who doesn't like kids. That's a good yeah. movie. How about that? <laughs> that would be a good have to. You know, a ghost ha- in, inherits two orphan tykes. In the ghost is probably a kid. The ghost is a kid? Yeah, the ghost is a kid. How'd he die? In some okay, kid way, right, you know? Right. Doesn't exactly write itself. Playing Cowboys right. and Indians. I don't oh, know. really? Yeah, you yeah. got an arrow? Kids still play that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's going to be a lot of editing this week. <laughs> so listen, uh, Raven, why don't we go on to the next movie? This I think it's the seventh scariest movie ever made. Please, Raven. We are on seven. Yes. And, <clears throat> excuse me. 
We have The House on Haunted Hill from House. 1959. Okay. House on Haunted Hill. I remember it as a kid. It's, it's. I don't know. I know that you want to use the word campy, but it is a little campy. Vincent Price is in it. I think Gig Young is in it. Uh, or Richard Long. Take your pick. They look alike. Um <laughs> And it's just like a, it's like like a, you know, and there's, you know, there's a, there's a weird skeleton yeah. on a, on like a clothesline that you know hits in the face. Jeff, you must have seen it, right? You must have seen it, Switchy. Switchy's laughing. Yeah, I, I saw it yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I remember yeah. seeing it. you guys are mocking it. I don't remember you seeing saw, it. You know, yeah, it was good, but it was just you know, you go and see. It's a well, scary movie. Nineteen fifty nine. Yeah, for kids, you know, going hmm. to the kids, you know, down to the uh, theater, so the parents get rid of you for yeah, an afternoon. Wasn't it a, like a really ultra modern house looking house? Yes, yeah, it's like a real. Was, yep. You know, instead of the, the classic scary. Uh, right. Yeah. Like it's an observatory or something up in the Hollywood Hills, but then I read that like, they actually. Like a, uh, a Frank Lloyd Wright house. Right, exactly, yeah. yeah. But they did a, um, I guess they colorized it and they gave everyone like really bright outfits. So if you watch it now, it's like a game of Clue instead <laughs> of Mr. Mustard. It's in a mustard suit and stuff. But it's one of those movies. It's funny. It's you know, it's Price in the Dungeon with the... Uh... Yeah, right, exactly, with the wrench. So anyway, yeah, so it's funny, yeah. You know, Vincent Price got thrown off of Hollywood Squares once. Why? Because. I don't believe it. No, you'll believe when I tell you. They said, um, how do you say I love you in Hawaiian? And he said, 20 bucks and a pineapple. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have to cut out everything. (laughs) I love Vincent Price. Really? Wow. How we go down He was great at Edward Scissorhands. Oh, he's great. He, was, he he had his little niche, you know. Yeah. That was his thing. Yep, great. Yeah, this is a scary movie. Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, scary because Johnny Depp's in it. Though I saw Johnny Depp the. Uh, well, uh, let me, uh, yeah, I just saw them. Why play. would he do I such mean, a wacky movie? Like, it's just Bunny. He was in love with that uh, that crazy. Anyway, guy. Winona Ryder. Yeah. Winona oh, forever yeah. tattooed on his shoulder. That's true. All right. Yeah, we can get the. Let me. Let me uh, go ahead. Let me refer to my book here about Alfred Hitchcock. Uh-oh. He, uh, he saw this movie. He saw how much money it made. It made a ton of money. Mm-hmm. And it was made low budget. And so he said, you know, I could uh, do a movie like that. Because he, he was making all these high-gloss yes. uh, movies like Spencer. Vertigo, et cetera. And so this is where he got the idea of making Psycho. Really? On a cheap budget, huh? Exactly. Wow. Yeah. He's quite a guy. Basically a one-location movie. Yeah, right, more or less. So anyway, I, can't tell. I was going to say that Raven looks a little bit like Winona Ryder, wouldn't you say? Who? Raven. Raven? Yes. Uh, let me take my reading glasses oh. off. <laughs> he's going to put his glasses You're on. right. She does. Yeah, he's got that Winona Ryder vibe. Yeah. <laughs> she just heard us. Okay. So uh, why don't we go to the next movie, please? She probably hates Winona Ryder. you, you got to be careful no. when you say, gee, you remind me of uh, no, no, no. Madonna. You like Monona Riva, don't you? Monona Riva. I like Lily James. Do you like her? Lily James forever. All right, that's that's definitely another show. Raven, do How you can like? How you not love Monona Riva? There you I go. Love her. Her. I, do, I do like Monona Riva. Right, even though she's a shoplifter. I liked her in uh, all those British uh, yes. yeah. dramas. Okay, here we go. Next, she reformed. Next, next scariest movie. Top ten scariest movies ever made. Please, next movie, Raven. Okay, this one really scared me. 
Number six, we have Juan Juan's wedding day video. Oh, <laughs> oh the got hacked. It got oh. hacked. There you go. <laughs> that damn hacker again. Jeez. Did, did he have a stunt double? No. <laughs> it's not his wedding night video. It's his wedding video. My wife had a stunt double. Okay. All right. Next, what's the real number six, please, Raven? The real number six is the Amityville Horror from 1979. Mm-hmm. Amityville Horror, yeah. It was a scary movie. I saw, I remember seeing it in a drive-in. It was, you know, scared me. Aren't movies, when you see them in the movie theater, more scary than, than in the drive-in? Oh, uh, the drive-in. I know. I was scared of something in the drive-in. Maybe it was the food or being in the trunk the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> the, the soundtrack is very, very yes. creepy. It has kind of like the... Uh, Voices kind of mixed in with the the the, the main theme. If right. You, I don't know if you can remember it or not, but it has sort of that. I can't even explain it. That down tempo sound or, mm-hmm. or whatever. In- but it's uh, just the it really the, the soundtrack itself created a, an atmosphere. Right. And it, it's um, it was um, they they don't really tell you. They never really explain why the house is haunted. They you know it's on an Indian burial ground, but there are ghosts there and the witch lived there or whatever. But apparently there was a real murder in that house mm. at one point, and our good friend Lois Lane used to babysit for the detective in charge of the investigation. Really? Yes. Wow. We should have her on the show. That's a serious connection there. Yeah, we I should like have it. her on the show when hmm. she can build it. You know, a lot, a lot of these movies we talk about are set in uh, houses that were built in late Victorian and uh, ages in late 1800s, and I live in one of them. I live in a Queen Anne-style 1890s home. And, uh, you know, just doing this whole whole topic is scaring the bejesus out of me. Really? And maybe it's going to invite some ghosts. Well, well, hold on. Seeing that no one sees his face, I don't know who he is. When you lived in the house with the two strippers as your roommates, were you scared bejesus then? (laughs) Uh, no, I was highly entertained. <laughs> you know, we know what he was afraid of a, a booby trap. Hey, there you go. Oh, <laughs> there I go. I pulled the pin oh, out of the boy. grenade. Let, Winnie, let's go to the next movie, please, Raven. Well, let me let me just oh, uh, I'm let sorry. Me just do a, a quick a, a quick comment of, of this movie. Go ahead, James uh, Brolin. You know James Brolin. He said, "Okay, this is a." Uh, a small budget movie. I'm not going to get much of a salary, so I'll get 10% of the royalties, and they sign a contract for him to do it. Well, they made a gazillion dollars, yep. and he ends up getting, at that time, 17 mil, which in today's figure is $60 million mm-hmm. just to do this particular film, which I, I haven't never heard of an actor get that much money for making a movie as James uh, Brolin did in right. Amityville. He's Amityville. also should be known as Mr. Barbara Streisand. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you get points, don't hold that against him. Well, if you get points, you know they call them points in the biz. You know, which is a percentage of what the profits are. You can make a lot of money. I just read the other day. Remember that guy um, Ray Romano? He had a sitcom on called uh, "Everyone Hate Everyone Loves, Loves Raymond." Raymond. Yep, he owned that show uh, partly. He makes $18 million a year just in royalties. Wow. That's a lot. You yep. know, so yep. James Rowland, hey, he made a good investment. You know, what the heck? Why not? Well, good for him. Yeah. But he still didn't have enough money that he had to go marry 
Barbara Streisand. I'm sure he loves her singing. I'm sure. Uh, next, uh, <laughs> next movie, please, Raven. Well, you know, uh, Mac. Oh, people sorry. who love people. That's right. People. Out of the weirdest people in the world. Please, next movie, please, Raven. <laughs> okay. Uh, next movie, number five, we have Christmas Carol, 1951, the Alistair Sis version. Okay. Okay, what year was that again? The NSA tried to uh, hone in on us. 1951, the Alistair Sims. Is the Alistair Sims Alistair version? Alistair Cook, you said. No, no. What is it? Is it Alistair Cook or Sims, Raven? Sim. Sims. Okay. okay. Sims. Now, I have Sims. Sims, okay. Alistair Cook is the guy who did the National Geographic stuff, isn't he? Uh, I'm, I'm looking at yeah, you PBS like... PBS dude. Oh, PBS, like the okay. introductory uh, host... I must have heard his name in passing, but anyway. It's time for a look at books by, from Alistair Cook. Oh, there you go. Okay. Is he from the BBC? Something, something like that. He, he did uh, some kind of a – he do the open of some of these shows. I, yeah, they only have these British guys on B, on PBS to make it sound like they're more intelligent than it's us. It's way more highbrow that way. I know that, we hit, I know that we're big in England, okay? We're, yep. we're the number 23 podcast – in England, news and commentary. Okay, everybody watched Downton Abbey for you know, yeah. everybody. You're like they need more promo. Oh, by the way, you know the 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 uh, castle they lived in was called High Clare Castle. High Clare Castle. That's an inside joke. But look, the BBC because they're still mad that they lost the Revolutionary War and the War of 1812, and we had to bail them out in World War One and World War Two. I know we have a lot of fans in England, but I have to say this. Right. Okay. So what the way that they revenge that is that they in in that the BBC has continuously like ten camera crews continuously going around the country of the United States looking for the weirdest Americans that you can that you can talk to, and if you and if you watch that over in England, we're all cowboys and uh, you know guys that talk like from Boston. We're you all know? hillbillies. We're all hillbillies, whether we live in the cities or not. That's how they get back with us. So You're anyway, from Wisconsin, Adams. Midwest. Well, yeah, it's a whole different country. Yeah. So listen. So anyway, yeah. But if you see the um, the Christmas Carol with the Alistair Sims edition, nineteen fifty one, it's in black and white. And originally, when Dickens wrote the Christmas Carol, it was called a ghost story. You know, and this yeah, right. and this is a ghost story. Yeah. You know, um, the George C. Scott one is good, and um, I think that's the best one. Yeah, it's pretty good. Those are made for. TV one maybe I'm not sure, but it was good. The musical one was good as well. Yeah, musical, but they, but they, what they do is they. Thank cut. you very much. Thank you very much. Okay, there we go. He just did a dance too. He just didn't sing. He did a dance. Okay. <laughs> that was a Muppets one, right? Yeah, a little With bit. Michael Caine. Muppets. Yeah, Michael Caine. Pick up a paycheck anywhere. So anyway, yes, yeah, Mr. So Magoo did Mr. one. Mr. Magoo did one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so, the Simpsons might have done one. Simpsons did one. Yep, at least a, an episode. <laughs> I think Married with Children did one. One. Oh, and so did Black Adder. <laughs> okay. So anyway, yeah, but it, it's that that 1951 Alice to Sims, The Christmas Carol. It really is a ghost story, and it's scary, you know. So uh, it's one of the scariest movies ever made. So please, Raven, let's go back to the list. Next list, please. Next uh, mo- movie on the list: top ten scariest movies ever made. Number four, we have The Innocence from 1961. Okay. Gary, I'm going to throw this to you. The Innocence. 
Excellent film. I'm really glad, Gary, that you included this one because a lot of people don't oh, know about it. It's his favorite movie. Yeah, uh, Deborah Carr uh, said that this was her favorite and best performance she ever did in a movie. Truman Capote. Oh. Uh, he co-written the uh, rip. Yeah, he was in the middle of doing the uh, the book in Cold Blood. Yes. And then he was interrupted, being asked to, to co-write the script. And he said, sure. Hmm. Do you know how he changed the book, the, when he did the script, because, of it? because in the book, there's this, the ghost, one of the ghosts is Peter Quint, as I recall, Go ahead. Uh, who is supposed to be uh, possessing, one of the guys that's possessing the children. Yes. And uh, in the book, in the novel by Henry James, she sees the apparition and then don't, later on don't. sees the photograph yes. of Peter Quint and identifies him. Truman Capote switched those elements where she sees the photograph first and then sees the apparition. Capote, being a little bit strange, I think, what? wanted to make it more of a psychological thriller yes. and implied that perhaps she was nuts It wasn't really seeing ghosts uh, at all. That's interesting. Does that okay. sound fair, Gary? Without, yeah. With, it does, yeah. Just spot on. Without um, spoiling. But it's, 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 a, actually, it's, it's almost as good as the haunting. I mean, okay, very well, atmospheric, black right. and white. And creepy as hell. Right. Without without spoiling the ending, because the endings of these movies, uh, you know, are the whole movie. But I, I don't want to say back then. Not but, necessarily. I think there's some movies on this list that well, uh, well, yeah, the no, whole not, movie is the movie. It's no, this, this movie and the next movie coming up, you'll understand uh, yeah. when you hear it. You'll, right. you'll know what I mean. Okay. But what they do do is that they know how to film uh, 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 like a haunted house movie, they know how to film a ghost movie. If you know what I mean, yeah. Like he was saying earlier, you know, like and like you don't have to have the ghost in the movie. No, like you, you said. just have to be. You have to add that atm- camera angles and lighting and uh, sound effects to a, a atmospherics. A, a, yep. Yeah. Mm. Just put the atmospherics there's together. A, there's an and, art to it. Yeah. Yep. So, like make the whole movie. There is an art to it. So yeah. So that was a good movie. And Deborah Deborah Carr. She was a big actress who went back in the forties or fifties. There, Geo. Uh, 50s from yeah. here to eternity remember the famous love scene with Burt Lancaster on the, on the, the wall yeah that's her that's her and Burt yeah yeah the king and I king and I oh yeah right with the bald guy with uh, what's his name the guy Yul Brenner Yul Brenner <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. yeah with the magnificent seven guy yeah right mm. yeah. yeah right right okay Yul Brenner Yul Brenner yeah okay that's a good movie so uh, Raven please the next movie in the top raise your hand if you're a Yul Brenner fan Okay, that's a hand. Oh, yeah. 17 to 3. Switch didn't wave his hand. Okay. He's not a Yule Brenner okay. fan. Please, Raven, next I, movie. I didn't please. get the, the full question. <laughs> oh, you didn't. To raise your hand if you're a Yule Brenner fan. Raise your hand if you're a Yule Brenner fan. Oh. Okay. Yeah, Westworld. All right, now yeah. raise your hand if you know who Ru, Ru Brenner is. No one. No one. Please, Raven. <laughs> you, know, you know, I liked him best in The King and I. The King and I. Raven, please save us. The next movie, please. All right. At number three, we have The Others from the 2001. Others, which is a rewrite of, uh, of uh, The Innocents. You know, they took that. And I watched it. And, and I'm we, getting goosebumps just thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, we can't t- we can't tell you the end of it. But right. when I watched that movie, when I, I, I came in, it was probably maybe 20 minutes into the movie. And I just started watching it because of Nicole Kidman, oh. as it turns out. She's like in, on screen about 98% right. of the time. And it turns out that's Kripnitz. Kryptonite for Mac. But anyway, I couldn't stop watching it. And then 
when you get to the end of it, you go, oh, my God. <laughs> Great movie, The Others. But that was based on The uh, the Innocence, right, Gio? Yes, it was. And I'll tell you, Nicole Kidman, um, she just got off of uh, the bright and cheery movie Moulin Rouge. Oh, really? Yeah. And she gets uh, this in her contract, and huh? she just uh, – she wanted to drop out. She said she was getting uh, psychological nightmares, just even rehearsing it. Yeah, yeah. But they said, no, stick with it. Yeah, it was a good That's probably why she left Tom Cruise right now. Well, I think there were many reasons. Now, listen, before we get to the other movies, last time uh, Raven was on with us, she told us one of those things. You know how, like, for instance, if you see an actor like Dennis Miller. Remember Dennis Miller from SNL? Yeah, I do. Okay. That guy has the smallest yeah. hands for a human being ever in history. Really? He has really small hands. And not that I'm donning small hands. People look at how Switch is measuring his hands. Um, <clears throat> Raven told us about Tom Cruise. Look at he's got, like, I get. I'm sorry. We're a radio show, but Switch literally has a measuring thing, you know. <laughs> Just keep it on your hands there. Okay, they, really? Yeah, you think so? Okay, hopefully he's talking about his hands. Okay. All right, put, put that away, please. Good thing Coco isn't here. Could have us all arrested. Raven told us last week that, and I can't look at Tom Cruise again the same way, because he has a middle tooth. He has a tooth in the middle of his of his palate. Is that the palate? Raven, please. Right? Yes what? or no? Yes, JJ wasn't here. Yeah, Tell yeah. Tell us. Yeah, be your your jaw, your yeah, your palate. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, no, there he yeah, is. He's okay. He's got a friggin' middle tooth. He's got a gross. tooth in the middle of his head. See, look at he's as switchy as see. Yeah, it's supposed to be okay. over that way. You ain't right. kidding. Take that. Take that off. Put some ghosts up there, so I won't be scared. <laughs> Here's another reason to to dislike Tom Cruise. They just did Top Gun two. Right, and he had to do some filming on, might have been the te- the Theodore Roosevelt or some aircraft carrier. They had to come in and take it over yep. for six weeks. Wow, six weeks—a long time. And before he came aboard, he had his people tell the officers to say, "Don't look at Tom straight in the face. If you see him in the passageway, don't engage him in conversation. If you see him eating, he has to eat along with his." All this stuff, okay? Yeah. So everyone winds up hating them. Wow. So, of course, you get, you know, there's 5,000 people on the aircraft carrier. You get 5,000 tweets. Tom Cruise is a dick, right? Yeah. Where all you had to do, and then he, he flew in as if he, you know, piloted the plane himself and all this nonsense. And all you have to do is fly in and go I like to, the guy, too, but. Yeah, but go to, the, go to the cafeteria and say, hey, I'm sorry for disrupting you for six weeks. Thanks. You're patriots and hope it's a great movie. And that's mm. it. And everyone loves you. Right. Instead of this, don't look at or me. Maybe go to lo- maybe hang out in the galley and yeah. have lunch. Right, right. In but the maybe, mess hall with them, you know. But maybe he doesn't want people looking at his middle tooth. Because if I, I met him in person it. now. I doubt that. He's had that middle tooth all his life, probably. That's true. Okay. So, thank you, Raven, for further ruining Tom Cruise. I mean, did did it make a difference when he was in uh, Officer and a Gentleman? He wasn't in Officer and a Gentleman. I thought, was he uh, in Officer and a Gentleman? No. uh, It was Richard Gere. That's Richard Gere. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I know why you mixed it up. Can I mention some? I I like Richard Gere. Go ahead. scene where she's 
looking Probably. through the uh, the uh, photograph album, and it was mentioned that the dead uh, lived through the. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, but you don't want to. I know, but that's that's a little bit leading towards what the movie's about. You know, I I agree that I think. Right. It's, but, yeah, I think, well, one thing, and, and you know, again, I, I do my history. Yes. And they said uh, in yes. the late 1800s, you know, cameras were rare. This is before the Kodak, yes. the somatic thing. Yes. That when people died, they didn't have any photographs. And so what they would do, they would prop them up uh, either at home, because most of the students were at home. Go ahead. They would prop them up in a chair or stand them up against the wall. These Again, these people are dead. Line them up and together they would have if they like died a, together. You know, yeah. Later, kids playing with them or, you know, certain objects. Kids playing and, with them. Uh, it is really weird yes. how, they, um, how they photograph these people. With these the, sort of a one-sided conversation. It's called uh, yeah. week, Weekend at Jeremiah's. Right? You get that, JJ? No. No. But okay. it, it is uh, – the way it's portrayed in the others is just amazing. Yeah, what, right. And the no. whole thing – yeah, like I said – The whole setup I, is like – Yeah, oof. the whole setup. And, and that's it's it's one of those movies where every single scene – this is why I love it so much. Every single scene on it in it leads to the next scene. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And tells the story and it just sucks you in. And then when you get to the end of the movie, you go – Wow, I've really been taken on a ride here. You know what I mean? I've really kind of been sucked into the, what's going on. There were some amazing uh, really good in it, so. actors in that movie too, yeah. from uh, from Wales or Scotland or yeah, something. Yeah, Scotland, someplace. Yeah. The, yep. The primary housemaid woman there. That I've seen her around, and she's like, uh, and I, I love her voice. She, she was in. She was um, in uh, Rich Man Poor Man. Oh, she was. Mm. The miniseries from yesteryear. Oh wow! What's her name? Do you know now that you've brought her up? I, I can't uh, can't recall. Okay, all right. Um, um, also, Nicole Kimmon is great in a movie called Stone Stone Cold Mountain. I think it's Cold, Cold Mountain. Cold Mountain. Cold Mountain. Stone Cold is an ice cream yeah. place. Cold Mountain is an unbelievable movie. It's a really good movie with a you know with, with civil war situation and not a happy movie. ending either, which is really kind of crummy, but good movie. Yeah, so who's, what they, who's, the, uh, who's the guy in it? He's uh, I just Jude Law. Jude Law. Yeah. Jude Law. He's yeah, he's, he sold ten years ago. So uh, do you want to say anything else about the others, did you? Or should we get to the number one movie? Hopefully, we're number Jude one. Law. Well, let's great. go to number two. I oh, think number that two. Would be let's go to number two. Together. Raven, please. Raven, number two, the second movie. Number go. two. <laughs> yes. Yes. There's a build-up. Go ahead, please. And a drum roll right here. Drum roll. Go. We have for number two, Poltergeist from Poltergeist. 1982. Poltergeist is a scary movie. Now, I know Gary thinks I don't like it. I don't like the director. But if they set out to make a scary movie, mission who, accomplished, who right? Who Spielberg? Toby Hooper. Toby Hooper. Now, what do you got against him? Yeah. He's a stuntman turned director. Oh. Yeah. Why didn't he go to uh, film school like the rest of us? <laughs> wow. Okay. He's a lousy stuntman. Well, I'll tell you the bitterness, really. <laughs> wow. Sorry, Ma. Uh, uh, Gary, so uh, tell us why we should all hate Toby Hooper, please. <clears throat> uh, well, he was kind of a uh, second fiddle to Steven Spielberg. Oh. Steven Spielberg was on the next 
set of the studio that they were shooting Poltergeist was directing E.T. Yes. And he was the executive producer of this movie, but he would be, uh, during his breaks, which were a lot, would come over to the Poltergeist set. Yes. And uh, basically take over the um, the direction. Wow, huh? Spielberg. So if it has, if it has a Spielberg uh, uh, look to it, yeah. that's why. And if you notice the clowns and a tree outside the window play a real dominant uh, uh, position in the movie. And, the and it's because Spielberg, See, uh, he had two fears in his childhood. One was a fear of clowns. Clowns. Yep. Another one was a tree outside his window. Really? How about fear of crappy directors? <laughs> How about that? that? Was that a fear? Or See, in other words, Spielberg. Wait a minute. I devote my. Spielberg. I devote my entire last chapter to Spielberg. Right. He is brilliant. There you go. He's not brilliant. He's not brilliant. The only thing he's smart about is how to make a movie. That's going to bring a lot of people into the movie theater. That That's does not. Brilliant. That doesn't not equate with a great movie. Okay, it doesn't. You know, and uh, you know, if you don't believe in spirits, by the way, there were two people in this cast that actually got killed yep. after making the movie. Why? So one was a uh, oh, the kid. a former boyfriend strangled. Yes, a gal in the movie, Dana Freeling. Go ahead, and also. Uh, Luke Perryman got killed in Austin, Texas by a guy that wielded an axe and just chopped really? him up to pieces. Boy, I'll tell you, that's a PR director's dream. <laughs> I hate to be like that, but it is poker All right, so listen. Know, We've had a lot of heartwarming stories here. This yeah, yeah, this has been warm and fuzzy. Uh, why don't we go to number one movie? This is the number one scariest movie ever made. Please, Raven. In a, in a drum roll here, please. Okay. Good. Okay. At number one, we have 13 Ghosts 13. from 1960. Remember 1960. That? Remember 13 Ghosts? I remember seeing it in the theater, yes. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. 13 Ghosts was, well, we'll just talk about Spielberg, how to make a movie that people are going to go see. 13 Ghosts had a, had a, um, like a publicity stunt you know, related to it. And what it was was... When you went in the theater, they gave you these 3D glasses. Those were amazing. Were, they were just cardboard, and they had like one blue s- cell on one side and, and one, one red one. cell yep. on the other. Yeah. But when you put them on, you could see the ghosts in the movie. When you had them off, you couldn't see them. Right. And it, it was a stunt, but it worked. So what's cool about it is that the people, the real actors, are walking around in the movie, and it's like they can't see the ghost, but you can, you know? <laughs> It was really a good and 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 it's. I'm sure if we went back and looked at it, there's a grip with a thing holding the thing. Yeah, yeah. But back then they couldn't uh, edit out that that part of it. I think they just as easily as they can now. I think they just shot something in 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 transparency and put it over the real transparency. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I think I don't even know how they did it. That's why I wish I'd gone to film school to learn that stuff. There you go. Right. Okay. (laughs) Yet here we are. I got to meet two of the actors. That were in that film, uh, Joe Morrow, that played the daughter. Yes. And uh, just about a year before he died, uh, Charles Herbert, who uh, played the young young boy. Okay. And uh, he was in a lot of a lot of films like Houseboat with Cary Grant. Oh and, wow. Uh, he had quite a presence, and uh, okay. Joe Morrow was in some other things. But it was really uh, she came one year to kind of uh, give a tribute to him because they were really good friends. They really bonded on the set. Charles Herbert had a really 
kind of a rough childhood. Mm-hmm. And uh, because his, you know, he was kind of the breadwinner for their, his parents. Oh, wow, huh? And anyway, uh, Joe Morrow kind of took him under her her wing, and uh, they were good friends for for uh, life, right? For yeah. their lifetime, for his lifetime. The um, the thing about Thirteen Ghosts is, what would happen? I'll throw this. To, well, Gary Olson would know. So, what if you want to see Thirteen Ghosts now, Gary? Wasn't it called O Vision or something? Or <laughs> wasn't the weren't the weren't the three um, D glasses? Given a brand like O Vision or the big O Vision or something. Yeah, and I, I kind of remember you, uh, they would give the glasses to all people that said they were brave. Said that they were brave. They were chicken. Yes. And yes. You couldn't keep the glasses. You know, by they, the way. They, they wouldn't get the glasses. And yes. that way it'd be less scary. That's great. Yeah, that's a, such a publicity stunt. You know, they, there was a castle film that came out, and at the beginning of the movie, it just said. Um, we have taken out insurance that if anyone dies of fright, let us know and we'll buy the coffin. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, it's great. It's called The Screaming <laughs> Skull. Yeah, and it's a, it's a great publicity stunt. You know? Now, wasn't so, William Castle just like uh, the guy for horror movies? Yeah, for B-horror movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You had to, oh, yeah. You had to show two movies every, you know, and you had to show two movies. And, because, a, and a couple of, and a Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner right. commercial in between. And people were like, uh, used to vaudeville and you'd have opening acts and then the big so they'd have b movies and castle just mm-hmm. uh you know made a lot of money just making b movies so anyway wow how so do you agree with that 13 goes so gary so what happens if you want to see it on tv today what do you do uh well you don't uh, have the 3d glasses but I'll tell you what. I remember seeing a episode of Leave It to Beaver. Uh-oh. And Wally saw the movie because he said to uh, the Beaver that he just saw a movie of the haunted house and about quote fifteen ghosts were running around. Wow, fifteen! He counted hmm. that. So high. Wally, Wally wore those glass three D glasses. Boy, no matter what, we had to get Leave It to Beaver somehow into the show. <laughs> so, well, number one, I would just. I would just say to anybody, I mean, any 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 of the movies on the list would be good, but if you have a chance, go see The Others and go see 13 Ghosts. And I think between those two mm-hmm. and The Innocents, too, you know, with Deborah Kott, if you can see those three movies. And The Haunting. And The Haunting, yeah. They're really good movies. They're good if you want to get scared. They're the movies to do I it. think The Others where um, the special effects were like – you didn't need special right. effects. Right, very toned down, very low, yeah. very below the radar. The only thing about the only thing, and, and I mean, Nicole Kidman is riveting. I mean, you can't you, have to you watch can't her. keep your, your eyes off her, right. and every word is just so emotional. Yeah, right. It's just whew. yeah, it's not a feel happy movie. But what's the one thing about it is, and when, again, we don't want to blow the ending, but you can only see it once. Do you agree? Uh, we enjoy I mean, seeing it a number of times, but you'll but, know what the oh yeah, what but, the punch. But that's it. If you in a movie like this, if you do see it again, it. yep, you can still it. Doesn't enjoy matter. It. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, because that's, through the entire movie, it's just from the setup, everything. Right. It's just this is incredibly the done. The others with Nicole Kim and oh it? yeah. So why don't we do this? Why don't we take a commercial uh, break now, Raven? Thank you for for um, counting down the movies for us. Yeah, thanks a lot, Raven. All right. And for telling us that we should oh, all. No problem. Yeah, thanks for letting me do this. Yeah. Is there a movie called The Raven? No. Well, Winona Ryder would play The Raven. How about she that? She would. Yes. Okay. 
Winona. She's frozen, but she's going to laugh at that in three, two, one. <laughs> Why don't we take a commercial break now? Yeah. Well, we're waiting for Raven to laugh at that last joke. Um, you're listening to Macaloni's Miltrex, our show here on the Distant Thunder I Radio. I hear it. There she is. This is like, Eight seconds like away. a half a minute ago. There you go. <laughs> Better late than never. Come we'll on. take a commercial break now, and we'll be right back after this. It's early medieval Europe. Norse marauders are pouring down from the north. Steppe riders threaten from the east, and Moorish raiders are surging up from the south. Now, as the Vikings plan an invasion of Ireland, the country's aging king must somehow protect his nation. But who is up to the task? Nordic sagas tell us an obscure and unlikely hero arises to save his people. Wolf of Clontarf leaps into history as a nightmare to the Norse and avenger for the Celts. It's Vikings meets Braveheart as this legendary Irish warrior, some medieval special operations forces, and a young woman spy help the Irish king defeat the Viking invaders. It's a tale spanning 15 years and leading up to the most decisive battle of the Middle Ages. That's Wolf of Clontarf, a new novel from Thomas J. Howley, now on Amazon. And I just kept going on and on about myself. I'm taking a leak in the driveway. He says, I know you'd like to talk to total stranger. The story's got nothing to do with the Bruins game. It's what happened with Grandma. I was wondering if those were sadomasochism straps or something. <laughs> but I digress uh, from what I don't know. Get into the beautiful mind of Juan Juan only on the Mac Maloney Military X-Files show. Tracks on show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. Wow. What a show we have for you tonight. Uh, let me quickly introduce the members of the gang. Uh, over there, out of the shot, I'm going to have to move my mic for him. Again, I'm out of the shot? There you go. I'll fix now. Sounds like you're doing, a, right. sounds <clears throat> like you're doing a bump over there. It's a very famous one on. Hello, Mac. It's been a fun show tonight so really? far. Yeah, interesting. Okay, we still got a long way to go too. No cocoa. Yeah, craziness <laughs> can. Uh, yeah, right. Rebound into the show. Let's see from how this long. open door. Let's see how long we do have to go. No cocoa tonight. No cocoa driving the bus. He's on a secret mission. Hmm. But I mean, I was on a secret mission last week. Up there, yes, you were. Or is that what you said anyway? Up there in the bowl of flakes. Battle Creek, Michigan, a national correspondent, Switchblade Steve Ward. Switchy. Great to be here tonight. Okay. Good. Two waffles into the day, correct? That's right. And some edible bacon, correct? Yes. Okay. Now, when you looked at the bacon from a few weeks ago and it was like a year and a half old, how long did you contemplate cooking it? Uh, a, a good 30 seconds. 30 seconds? But remember, man. I wanted the bacon, you know, but uh, I wasn't going to. What's going to risk it? Didn't want to endanger your Bacon health. lasts for a long time. I mean, that, that's right. just the sell-by date, not the eat-by date. 
I was no, looking, I was looking at the bacon. That was oh, really, yeah. <laughs> that was kind of like the creepy date really. right there. <laughs> it didn't really say eat me. Thank you, Switch. Okay, uh, good for you. Um, also, <laughs> let me introduce the beauty in the panel. Sorry, Club, but we have to introduce Raven. Hello, Raven. Upstate New York, Raven. Hello, Raven. There she is. Hello. Thanks for having me. Raven is waving. Wave, right. Easy for you to say. Yes. Thank you for classing up the show. Also Definitely. classing up the show, Whitey Bulge. I mean, <laughs> Willie Club. Thank you, Willie, for joining us. Thank you, Willie, our security chief. Hi, Mac. Hi, folks. Okay. Excited Hi, to be here. He's always the best dressed one. I don't know what that means, but he is. He's got a tie on and everything. Right. He? It looks like a tie. Right. In the books, no, it's all no, it's the blue yeti. Yeah. Yes. In the books, the books in the background. Yeah. Oh, that's real. That's I know. Real. It's real books. Right. Definitely real books. <laughs> and see, you see, switches donuts. They're real, real people. Too. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> A special, special guest tonight, hiding in shadow. That's how special he is. Um, he used to work for the FBI, and he doesn't want to show his face. Gary Olson, author of 15 Geniuses Behind the Lens. Is that right, Gio? Correct. And the geniuses are the legendary film directors yes. that have shaped the movies that we see today. Are they all geniuses, though? They're not really. You you use that word very, very uh, generally, don't you? Geniuses and not only movie making, but also pioneering efforts in blazing new grounds mm-hmm. of aesthetic looks wow. in wow. cinema as well as yeah. storytelling. Well, he, he drank the Kool-Aid. Thank you, Gio, for joining us. Hey, Gio, I was watching a, a Netflix show that just came out called Mank. Mank, yes. About, uh, what's his name, Norman Mankiewicz? Mankiewicz, yep, famous guy in Hollywood. Yeah. Mankiewicz, the writer of Citizen Kane. Right. Yeah. Yep. How was it? Uh, I didn't finish watching it. Oh, yeah? I wanted Eileen to oh, join me in watching this thing, so I wanted to rewind, rewind it. I hear. And watch it from the beginning again because I thought it was pretty cool the way, there's, there's the, way so the show much, was going. He really liked the sauce, didn't he? Yeah, I was going to say there's so much booze in it, you're hungover after. You know what's it. weird about it? It's yeah. a black and white movie. Stand up. Yes. And in the movie, yep. there's the uh, the cue holes up in the upper right hand corner, like to change to oh, change yeah, projectors. Yeah, yeah. There's wow. that in it. That was a long time ago, man. 30s. But but no, it's. But that's how they did the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The movie yeah. was just done. Yeah, but yeah. I know yeah. that's how they did it back yeah. then. No, it's I was, a, it's, I was, it's, I'm yeah. a trained IATSC projectionist, by the way. There you go. Okay. So I know how, how that works. Right. He'll pick at your house if you get <laughs> All right, let me introduce our special, special guest, William Stillman. Thanks for joining us, William Stillman, down there in Pennsylvania, right? Great to be here. Yep, just okay. north of Hershey. North of Hershey. Do you go down there for the uh, discount candy ever? No, but sometimes the air smells like chocolate. There you go. That's good. That means good luck. I know that smell in the air. It's uh, when I lived in Charlestown, uh-huh. Schraff's Chocolates was right across the square. You hope it was Schraff's. <laughs> well, on one side of the, of the square was uh, Stickney and Poor's mustard and spices. So depending on which direction the wind was blowing, you got either it smelled like a hot dog or it smelled like wow. a, a box of chocolates. Of everyone in the room, only club. 
can understand that, right? You can appreciate that. You, you're digging it right, right, right out of yeah, Sullivan I Square. Add to that, and you get a nice smell of the Edison plant. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's funny. I never no- noticed the Edison plant when I was so a the kid Mystic there. River. So the Mystic between, River between. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The Hood's Milk and Whiting's, Schraff's, and Jeez. Stickney and Poor's, the, yeah. the, the Edison plant was, I don't know, yeah. you know, smokestacks. Were well, the, radar, the smokestacks were Well, higher. you lived in the south of it. I there lived in the north. Well, it was right. up uh, one block up Bunker Hill. It was a potpourri. So Bill is a good friend of the show. Uh, something odd happened to you recently, William? Yes. So I was doing a live event in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, at the Scottish Rite Theater. Mm. Now, the Scottish Rite is um, its a fraternal order along the lines of the Masons. Oh. And I was doing an event with an audience, and <laughs> the, the, the theater seated 1,200 people, so we didn't have that many, so everybody was spaced out. But... Mm. Um, there were some paranormal investigators in the audience, and yes. after the event, they asked me if I would hang out with them because they had planned to survey the building. Now, the building's not that old. It was only built in 1954. And this this fraternal order, the Scottish Rite, you know, they're all really good guys. They're philanthropists, and they're very involved in the community and so on. So I couldn't imagine that there was really much of anything for them to find. yes. But they didn't wrap up until about 2 a.m. I didn't stay that long with them. But down in the basement, you know, as you may know, Mac, you know, every legitimate paranormal investigation team usually has with them a, a good psychic medium. Yes. To uh, to give them insight, perspective and intuitive information that they might be picking up. So they had a gal with them. And. When we were in the basement of this building, there was a certain area where we were both not feeling comfortable at all. In fact, oh, really? there was sort of this feeling of dread really? that I was sensing, and I felt a little nauseated. I felt a little weak in the knees. Wow. And she was validating all of that, too. And uh, was she coming I on said, to you? At the time, I feel like we're... Sorry? Was she coming on to you? That's the only thing that I can think of. Nope. So there was a point at which I said, I feel as though we're being observed from a staircase above us. And so one of the young fellas that was on the team took a picture of the doors at the top of the staircase. And when he showed it to us, the light coming through the door. Now, it's pitch black down there. There was light coming through the door that looked like an inverted cross. Wow. And so we were all feeling increasingly uncomfortable. So we walked upstairs from this basement area and we were chatting and someone said, do you hear that? And we all stopped talking and we all heard what sounded like growling and yelling Mm. and doors slamming and things being thrown around. And I've been in some pretty hairy situations before. But um, I hadn't ever really experienced anything quite like that. So something was not happy that we were snooping around and mm-hmm. uh, poking our noses in, in its business, I guess. So what do you think that was? What do you think that was that you heard? Is that fine? My, my gut feeling is that because the building itself was not that old and given the history of the Scottish Rite, 
my gut feeling was that it actually was something connected to the land, the property itself, prior to the building being established. Right. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, uh, Raven, can I ask you something very quickly, QT? Can you quickly tell your Ouija board story to William? I just would like to know what he thinks. But just quickly tell him the, the, the high points, okay? Uh, yeah, so um, my sister and I were playing with a Ouija board. Um, and this was before we had access to cell phones and the Internet. You know, it was all dial-up. and So that was kind of just, like, not in the picture at all. So we were playing with it. We asked it questions like who, how many people died in the house that we were living in, which happened to be a really old farmhouse. And the board responded with the number three, and that was it. So we freaked ourselves out, whatever. The next day, uh, we woke up, and there was a headstone in our yard that had it was it had snowed so there was no footprints leading up to it leading away from it nothing so we ended up walking to the um, cemetery that was really it was literally like a stone's throw away from our house it was right down the road so we were just going to put it back trying to like get rid of it nothing happened you know let's move past this and it was as if like it was ripped right out of the ground um it was just real freaky um so we were on the way home we were like we're done with this like never playing with this thing again like we obviously upset something Mm. and we're just not gonna you know do anything with it so a few months later we had found out that three babies had died in the house that we were living in and that was there. What we came to found to found out to find out uh, was that was their headstone that ended up in our yard. Oh now, wow! I mean, that's a very strange story. Don't you agree, there, William? As a psychic, yeah, I think. But I think it's also very much a cautionary tale for people yes. about um, foraying into territory that you know can get i think dangerous quite frankly mm-hmm. and i think that raven's story is a good example of how if you had continued to use the ouija board you know you you in essence end up throwing out a welcome mat for all kinds of energies yeah, exactly. and oftentimes those energies are very nefarious and ill-intended and they will masquerade as something familiar to you. Mm. They will masquerade as something that they are not in order to gain your trust and to seduce you into recruitment Mm. ultimately. Uh Uh-oh. And so because, well, here's the thing though, because they are of an impure origin and because they are imperfect, The manifestation of the something familiar, like grandma, for example, will also always be imperfect. Yes. And so the the manifestation that you see as a vision or maybe in a very vivid dream, grandma's eyes will be brown when, in fact, she had blue eyes. 
or she'll be missing some fingers on one hand or she'll be walking in an unusual way or she'll start giving harmful instructions. And you know that that's something that she would never do in real life. Wow. I I think the whole thing is 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 more satanic than not, don't you think? Man, the whole Ouija board experience. I guess I'm I'm educating. I'm getting educated on Ouija boards. I never knew no, that. I, 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 I consider it a portal right. for demons. You know, yeah. you there's a popular belief in that. Right. That, uh, you never hear of anything good coming through a uh, a Ouija board experience. It's always something negative like that. Right. So. Sounds or something negative masquerading as something good. I talk about all that stuff, and I kind of I, – I've been there, done that as a kid. I went through a lot of really unpleasant stuff as a kid. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah, but, I think well, that those energies are, tend to be very predatory, and they prey upon people who are also weak or vulnerable mm-hmm. or struggling with um, – either their mental health or addiction issues. And, you know, Uh, mm -hmm. so it's kind of like, you know, already kick them when they're down type of thing. They'll also go after people who are innocent, such as children. Hmm. Wow. Which I think may have been Raven's experience. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) She is the youngest of the bunch. Uh, Well, yeah, it's weird. I I guess it's an interesting way to segue into. Yes. Sorry, Mac. It's an interesting way to segue into talking about ghosts and ghosts in Gettysburg because there's a distinct difference. I don't know if people realize to make the difference between what's a ghost and what's a demon because ghosts are, they're still in human mode and they're trying to make a go of it in as they had been human. And so because they're still in human mode, you can reason and rationalize with them. And I've certainly done that. The, the demonic energy or the satanic energy, it it's inhuman. It doesn't care. You can't reason with it, and it has an agenda of chaos and destruction. Wow. Okay. All right. William, can you tell me, back in Gettysburg, William, in Gettysburg, do you have a particular site there that you see probably more activity with ghosts? I know there's a number of sites. I've been there once, but I was reading up on it today. You, You get prepared, and I noticed that. There's a, a lot of sites there that have issues, and just wondered if there's one in particular that you've noticed uh, more activity uh, on. That's a great question, and uh, I just want to direct people to a series of videos that are posted on YouTube on William Stillman is the channel. But um, I am almost completely ignorant about the Civil War. Mm. It's not my area of interest. It's not my thing. Uh, what I know about the Civil War uh, is pretty much contained to Gone with the Wind, so gone with the <laughs> it's wind. just not my thing. But I I had gone out there with an author on several occasions, and at my express uh, stipulation, he would did not tell me where we were going. We just sort of pulled up, and there we were. But to answer your question, one of the videos was about Saks-Covered Bridge, and I don't know if you're familiar Sachs. with it. I, I read about it, but I, I've never, I don't recall seeing it when I was there. Sachs. Yeah. And again, it was a beautiful day. And we went into the bridge and I could only walk about halfway through it when I began to again feel nauseated. Yes. And I felt like my knees were going to give out from under me. Hmm. And if you watch the video, there's a point at which the 
audio experiences a lot of interference and that should not have happened given the equipment that the videographer was using. Okay. And what I was intuiting about that bridge was some pretty awful stuff, including a black winged creature that I was seeing in my mind's eye up in the rafters inside the bridge that later people have validated these things for me. And as a result of the video, people have sent me some very um, disturbing and unusual photographs taken taken in and around the bridge. Mm-hmm. Wow. Huh? So when you went there, <clears throat> I mean, uh, how many people died there? Like five or 6,000 people, soldiers died. Um, it was like the biggest battle of the Civil War. Uh, the turning point of the Civil War, even if they had, you know, someone who are not into ghosts, not into paranormal, they feel this, you know, I hate to use the word vibration, but they feel something down there uh, that that affects them, you know? I don't know if they get nauseated, but they they definitely have some kind of an effect uh, leaving there. Hey, Gary, G.O., you were there, right? Gary? He's gone. Gettysburg, yeah, but I never experienced anything like that. Thank you very much. I was so busy walking the battlefields and the tacticians and how I was being fought for those three days. And you got to up the uh, fatality rate, a casualty rate, 60,000 casualties. Casualties. Those three days in battle. See, the problem, uh, my pet peeve is anytime you watch any kind of military thing and they uh, give you the numbers – now we say casualties, but they have to dif- differentiate. Casualties are wounded and dead. I think the main thing is people want to know how many soldiers died, you know? That's just me. Mm, right. About that. Yeah. Well, you know, taking it there was a, I was reading there was 165,000 troops there for the battle mm. representing both sides. And I think it, it, the Union had outnumbered the, the – uh, Confederacy by about 20,000 troops, hmm. but the uh, Confederacy had more losses. I think the total deaths, if I can recall, said something around 7,000, of which more than half were the uh, Confederate troops. But you're right, the uh, the actual amount of casualties, uh, people that were injured and so on, is like fifty or 60,000. It was yep. just Crazy. incredible, a carnage. And uh, but they say that, you know, people see ghosts uh, of soldiers, Yes, you know, walking around or you can hear them, you know, yelling out in pain. And, and that's one of the things that seems to be common with mm-hmm. a lot of people that, that see visions or whatever they are. So, so uh, William, I'd now, like to think ahead, that please. I'd like to think that this many years on that there are no real ghosts that still linger at Gettysburg. What I think might be more likely, in my opinion, is that you you were just talking about the, the extraordinary intensity over the three days of battle and the injuries and the lives lost. And in some of the video, I was picking up actually the men who some of them were cowardly and were feeling like I did not sign up for this and they started Mm. running the other way. Uh, So there's a lot of extreme emotion that I think got impressed on the environment itself. Mm -hmm. And that under certain conditions, maybe atmospheric conditions, I don't know. I know there's a lot of courts in the area also that 
that gets released huh. into the atmosphere and it's like little video snippets that replay. That's what I think is more likely to be the case this many years on. Mm -hmm. Some people do say that they see like almost like a video, you know, repeating itself. You know, it's almost like someone caught in a right. loop. Like a hologram, hologram looking thing. Right. Yeah. You know, someone, they're not there. Exactly. They are, they're not you know, there. I had a fellow... Sorry, I had a fella send me one of the most amazing pictures. And I've seen a lot of really strange pictures, but someone sent me one of the most amazing pictures I'd ever seen. And it was of, of a field. It was actually his father's photograph. And he and his his father and his mother had been out at this field. I don't remember the name of it. Yes. I'm sorry, but his father wanted to take one last picture before they left and it was nighttime and his mother said oh you probably won't get anything in this picture there are soldiers marching and they're all lit up it is one of the most amazing things i've ever seen there must be about two dozen of them wow. in this picture yeah a lot of people there are a lot of haunted battlefields around the world and gettysburg is definitely you know one of them so so now where where can people see the video is it on youtube william yeah, they can go to YouTube. They can go to William Stillman on YouTube. You know, I did want to also add that one for me, what was fascinating was when I was at these various sites picking up information that the historian wasn't able to validate validate in the moment. Okay. But when he went back and did the research, he was able to verify these things that I was picking up. Mm -hmm. that were, you know, kind of new information to him. Like what? Like we were standing in a field and I, quote unquote, saw a dog run past us with something in its mouth. Yes. And I said to him, would they have used dogs as messengers between camps? And he didn't know, but he went back and researched it. And in fact, they did. Hmm. Um, another example of that is when we were out in the area of the bridge and the bridge is not on the battlefield it's it's a separate area okay i was seeing again quote unquote in my mind's eye kites in the sky and i asked him about that and he said well i know that they used balloons to signal the various camps right. but i don't know anything about kites and sure enough he went back and researched it and they did use kites as well mm, wow mm. yeah so that, that that sort of thing i thought was really intriguing yeah really that is yeah. that is very interesting <laughs> Now, when you go to the places like this, does it ever bother you afterward, William? No, because I very deliberately turn on, and then when I am done working, I very deliberately turn off. Really? Yeah. Okay, good for you. So I, con I control it. It doesn't control me. Uh -huh. The only time that I really felt a bit um, unnerved as I said, was out at the bridge. And then after we were done, I learned that that bridge, Sachs Covered Bridge, is allegedly one of the top 10 most haunted places in the country. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they said some very strange Yes, yeah, and, and I don't think it has any connection to the Civil War. I think it's more recent than that. Right. Like there's been some sort of satanic rituals or something out there. It's, down there. it's not good stuff. <laughs> Oh, okay, satanic rituals, never mind. Listen, um, now you live close to um, the Amish community, correct? Well, within driving distance. Okay. What's it like to go interact with those people? Are they do are they superstitious? Do they 
believe in the paranormal or are they just they're all really straight eggers, right? That's a good question. I you, you know that they're very they're very devout in their religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. I believe that they do have some superstitions. Um, I enjoy speaking with those folks, and I the the children in particular are really sweet mm-hmm. and very good natured. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They haven't been fouled by our earth. I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know about that. I I um I don't know much about. I would I would be willing to bet, given how devout they are in their beliefs, that any discussion of anything paranormal would be verboten. Yeah, really. Yeah, they're very, very religious, you know, and they live their lives simply, apparently. But when you're 21 years old or something, they're on TV. These people, they let you go. You can go here and go, and just take in every earthly delights. The Buddhists do the same thing. And then if you come back, you know, you've got it out of your system. Raven is shaking her head like she understands what I mean. I never heard of that. Yeah. Is that true, is Raven? Rum Springer? <laughs> what? What? Rum Springer? Is that what it is? I think yes, that's right. It. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I thought it was six. Yeah. I thought it was 16, but I could Oh, maybe wrong. it's 16. Hey, maybe they lowered the age. I don't know. You know, but yeah. some of them come back. I'm not sure on yeah. that. <laughs> And the Buddhist. Like that's like getting a rare Pokemon card. Is if you find a guy that's out on Rumspringa and you. <laughs> wow. Okay. A little bit. Of, <laughs> little peek at the Raven's life. Okay. Yeah, they go crazy, huh? Yeah. Really. Uh, so, uh, William, what are you up to these days? I mean, you know, you. I know you do psychic readings and so on and so forth, right? Yeah, and you know what's really interesting, Mac, is that I've been doing a lot of things online. And I've been doing group events online. So we, I've had people participating from all over the country in these group events. Mm-hmm. And what's so fascinating to me is that the distance doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That it's every bit as accurate and authentic as if we had all been in the same room together. Mm. Right. Even though we're separated you know, by, by many miles. So right. that's been intriguing to me. I've been learning a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> doing everything online. William, when you do these group events, are you giving them readings? Or what What takes place when you're doing this online, like at Zoom or whatever? What- yeah, what's really interesting is that I'll do a lot of prep work in advance of the event, about 48 hours in advance of the event. I will, I always say a blessing before I do anything. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, I'll just grab a stack of old magazines from the basement and I'll say, okay, one magazine is for the first person, the second magazine's for the second person, and so on. And I will start flipping through these magazines, and my attention gets distracted to very specific, random, seemingly random things in these magazines. I make a list of like eight to ten things per magazine, yes. and that informs how I conduct the first hour of the event. It singles out the people in the room. Mm-hmm. for whom that information ticks all the boxes. You can't just say, well, one or two things. It has to be everything, and it never fails. Wow. It is the most fascinating thing. Wow, and then wow, the wow. second hour, I do. Uh, I give people the opportunity to ask me questions. Mm-hmm. Nice. You know, that's, I, that's a good. I don't know why this thought just came to me, but we have uh, two minutes to kill. Um, one of Einstein's theory is called um, spooky action at a distance. And you reminded me of this, William, when you said that, you know, even remotely, 
you can pick up on what people are feeling. Um, spooky action at a distance is, let's say you take, I'll, I'll, go, I'll slow it down for you, not a catch. <laughs> if you if you able, able to get two electrons, yeah. okay, and they're matched, they're twins, okay, mm-hmm. and you're able to separate them, all right, and you, you're able to, if you imagine, take your finger and hit one of them and start it vibrating, yep. the other one will vibrate even though you don't hit it, okay? Mm-hmm. And that will happen if that atom is next to each other or if it's on the other side of the universe. It's called spooky action at a distance. Wow. They don't know why it happens, um, but you can hit one no matter where it is in the universe, and the other one will vibrate as well. That's weird. Almost it's like in, it's re- been related at birth. It's in Mac Maloney's haunted universe on sale everywhere. <laughs> hey, William, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it, taking the time and joining us and livening up pleasure. the show. Thanks so for what, having me back. What's your, YouTube, <laughs> what's your YouTube channel again? How can people find you? People can find me at williamstillman.com. On Facebook, they can find me at William Stillman Psychic Medium. On YouTube, it's just William Stillman. And mm-hmm. I had a great time, and it was uh, good to chat with everybody. Thanks for having me back, Mac. Will you do a psychic reading, a, a, a remote psycho re- psychic reading on us? I said psycho. Psychic. <laughs> psycho <laughs> reading. Will you, yeah. like it. <laughs> Will you do a reading? Could you do us? Could you handle us? I would be delighted to come back and do something at another time, but really? I have to prepare for it in advance. Okay. Sounds like yes. Right. Okay. Thank you. William, we'll talk to you soon, okay? All right. Thanks Thank so much. You. Take All care right. now. Thanks. Bye, William. Bye-bye. Good night. Bye-bye. Oh, let's take a uh, quick commercial break now, and uh, we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Mac Maloney's Miltrax, our show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. Stay with us. I was in the hospital with my son for 18 months. When he got injured, I wasn't prepared, but I knew I had to be strong. When I was told about John's injury, I was in complete shock. I just remember rushing into his room and giving him a big hug and letting him know I was there. These veterans and families are just a few of the heroes we serve at Homes for Our Troops. For thousands of severely injured veterans, everyday life is filled with barriers. It was really the the little things throughout the house. Counters that you can't roll up to. I had to drag my wheelchair down steps. I want to help, but he is so determined. At Homes for Our Troops, we build specially adapted custom homes with features like wheelchair access, roll-in showers, and automatic door openers that allow them to function in independently and focus on their recovery and family this house is freedom it's hope it's a new beginning this house has given me my family back to learn more visit hfotusa.org Back if you want to Mac Maloney's Military Exile Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. What a show we have for you tonight that we are in the middle of. But first, girls, the very famous Juan Juan is here. Hello, Mac. Hello, girls and guys and everybody tuning in on any kind of media. Mm-hmm. You name it, we're on yeah, it. Right. Welcome aboard. Right. Hopefully they're 
big box of Kleenex and their small pack of wipes are holding up. <laughs> That's right. For the entire show. So Coco tonight, we're Coco free. He's on a secret mission. Uh, our national correspondent, Switchblade Steve Ward, has taken his hat off. He has combed his hair. I think. <laughs> you know. yep, you got a good head of hair there. He does have a healthy head of hair. It's pretty good. All right. It's for someone who eats bacon. You know, past its expiration date. <laughs> Didn't bother him. Thank you, Switch, for being with us. Everything okay with you? It's my pleasure. It's beyond wonderful. Do you, beyond wonderful. Do you have anything you want to plug? Appearances or um, speaking engagements? Not yet. Not, not, not yet. the moment. Teasing um, us. I'm okay. going to you know, uh, uh, settle down for the winter. And uh, uh, it's, it's alleged that I'm writing a book. And oh, really? I yeah. went through some of the uh, chapter headings today of, of kind of where I'm doing oh. kind of a roadmap and getting all kinds of ideas. The misery begins. So all I have to do is get that ghost writer and I'm all set. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Don't worry. They'll work cheap and they'll be great. Anyway, let me just go up and down. <laughs> Let's go to our security chief. Willie Club has joined us. Very well dressed. Impeccably dressed. Impeccably dressed. Willie, how are you doing? Hi, Mac. Hi, folks. Hello, Will. Feeling good tonight. Yeah, that's why. Really? A little something special tonight. Right. It's called Grey Goose, but no. <laughs> Where'd that come from? Where did that come from? Right. I have no idea. My goodness. Are you haunted, Mac? Could be. Um, we are in a uh, uh, this radio station. Let me introduce. Yeah, it. this radio station has some right has background. some weird things about it. Uh, 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 a famous Hollywood author, Gary Olson, in the shadows, joining us. Gio, the big O. Hello, Mac. How go. are you doing, and fellow company? <clears throat> the fifteen geniuses. I just want to mention. Uh, I am starting a. I'm starting a series on. Um, Cinematic milestones through the history. I'm going chronological order. Okay. And uh, I'm up to 1907, which is probably going to take me another 10 years to finish. But uh, if anybody wants to do that, I'm, uh, you can follow me on Gary Olson, O-L-S-E-N, at uh, uh, Film Lectures on Twitter. and uh, Or you can join my Facebook page at uh, Film Lectures. On Facebook. And what kind of lectures? I miss I'm, it. I'm learning a lot about films. About films. Film, film lectures, okay. Yeah. Yep, film, uh, yeah, film directors. Yeah, film, uh, film lectures. Right. And uh, I'm learning quite a lot about the early cinema. Yes. And, uh, you know, the Nickelodeon era. And uh, I think you're going to find a lot of fascinating uh, things that happened uh, back then. And you, do, you give speeches, you give talks, right? You go on lecture tours normally. Yeah. Okay. Right. And, and, just, and I'm uh, starting the uh, stars and uh, actors and actresses. Uh, there may be the 16 geniuses in front of the lens. 16 geniuses. And I've just completed completed a two part series on Humphrey Bogart. So oh, really? wow. he was the original Gerber baby. Do you know that? Yeah. He was the original Gerber. He was. Baby. Yeah. So listen, eating into her valuable time. Our good friend Raven is with us. Raven. <clears throat> Hello, I'm here. Thanks for having me. Sticking with us. Um, well, thanks for um, joining us. Yeah, thanks for hanging in there, Raven. Right. Do you have any psychic abilities at all, Raven? You look like you might. <laughs> Thank you. Do you have psychic ab- abilities, Raven? Um. So, uh, I was told that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't use them. 
Mm-mm. Um, I do like my, I just kind of do my, I do it for me more really? than anything. I don't, I will not do it for anybody else. Like I, I read my own cards, but when people ask me to do readings for, for them, yes. that's not my thing. So really? I don't do that. Will you do it just for you? So Come yes to the racetrack no. with us. Will you do it for you at the racetrack and we'll just tag along? Do they what? still have I'm racetracks? <laughs> Saratoga racetrack. Would you go to Las Vegas with us? And you just do psychic for yourself. Yeah, I haven't been in a while. But. Okay. You do it for yourself, and we'll just happen to bet with we'll you. We'll just copy it. your I bets. I wish I could read those cards, because then I wouldn't be a big <laughs> Well, at least she didn't say it doesn't work that way. All right, let's put that on the agenda, Vegas. Road, tri- yeah. road trip. Uh, so, you know um, I mean tarot cards, right? <laughs> oh, well, I was going to bring that up. Tarot, tarot cards. cards. Yeah. Those aren't the cards we're talking about. But anyway, I digress. So, Switchy, I've introduced you. Yes. You're two waffles into the day. Black coffee, edible bacon, fake butter, fake maple syrup. That about it? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. No if fraud. you want to call it log cabin fake syrup, you go ahead. But I'm not going to call it fake syrup. Okay. No, no frost burn on the waffles, right? No. They don't last that long with him. No way. No way. So listen, what'd you have for lunch? Just a hell of it. Okay, are you I uh I don't remember. <laughs> well, wow. Well, uh, six whole uh, hours ago. Okay, good. Maybe maybe halfway through my report I it'll, it'll jog my memory. It's a three martini lunch. You know, three martini. Do we have time for this report now for crying out loud? Yeah, let's go. Three martini let's lunches see. are gonna be tax deductible again. Did you hear that? Really? Yes, yes. <laughs> For those thanks, in the know, thanks, that's Joe. A, yeah, for those in the know, that's a very good thing. Uh, so anyway, uh, Switchy, you have a fringe report. Yes. Okay. Yes, I do, and this is based on Nick Redfern's book called "365 Days of UFOs," and there is some supplemental material from Albert Rosales, who has this great uh, database of humanoid reports. Now, what Nick has done is he went through a calendar year starting with the first of January. Mm-hmm all the way through December 31st, and he found on that particular day an incident, a, a UFO incident, a paranormal incident uh, from any time in the, in the, in the past or, or close to the present. So the year, we're all, we go all over the place with the year, but we're going to start. I just went randomly and picked out 10 throughout the, uh, uh, throughout the calendar year, okay. starting with February 6th, oh, wow. 1966. Okay. The UMO affair, U-M-M-O, yes. uh, this was, uh, it occurred in Madrid, Spain, and a gentleman named Jose Pina saw a large white saucer, uh, supposedly over Madrid, Spain, took a photograph of it. It's got this famous uh, symbol that's become very famous. It's kind of like an H with a line down the center. Oh, yeah. And if you look at the corner, each corner of the H, they, they kind of go outward. It's kind of a famous uh, mm-hmm. uh, a symbol. Uh, 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 alleged to be, or at least believed to be a hoax. But the thing is that uh, uh, certain people started getting uh, letters and phone calls and so forth, supposedly from the Space Brothers, Umo being the planet they're from. Yes. And they were supposed to be giving them all kinds of information, technical information and so forth. Jim Keith investigated this. He's the one that rode black helicopters over America. Okay. Uh, he thinks that... Uh, 
perhaps that whoever started this, and he believes it's a hoax, and so does Jacques Vallée, that the the FBI and perhaps the KGB even oh. got involved with this and kept it going. Okay. So it's all it's, 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 uh, supposedly a hoax. Okay, interesting. Okay. Uh, February 6th. February 16th, this time, 1982, Dulce, Dulce, New Mexico. Dulce, We've all heard of Dulce and the alleged... Uh, underground facility and the lizard people and all this stuff. It's, it's got its own right. mythology. Uh, and and uh, the, the, the only incident I'm going to focus on is there was uh, a uh, somebody uh, 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 swore that they saw yes. a saw a, a, you know, a, a formation of black helicopters going over Dulce and uh, all of a sudden they shapeshifted into orbs, hmm. implying that the the aliens or whatever have this technology to yes. sort of mask themselves. And, and again, there's this huge mythology, mythology over it: hostile aliens, experiments beneath the uh, yes. uh, in, in these uh, uh, caverns underground, <clears throat> and uh, supposedly the government uh, has no control over it. Right. I mean, Dulce Mountain. If so, you really uh, look into it, they, you know, they the aliens like do these operations where they turn humans into octopuses and so on. And there's supposed to be 65,000 of them living in this mountain. And it's it's really one of the most ridiculous UFO-related stories uh, that's out there. But people make their living with you know, writing books and doing movies about what's in Dulce Mountain, but not really. Hey, Club, it looks like you're you're ready to say something. Well, you know, I know a little bit about that. You know, the reptilians... I have a big uh, uh, area out there, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that's been uh, talked about for a number of years. So yes, it clearly was a, uh, it still is, a uh, sort of a home base for some of the uh, reptilian sects. Right. Yes, okay. Know. I was going to say, don't don't talk about the people and, from uh, Salty in that way. It <laughs> was a gentleman named Bruno, who we don't know what his last name was, that allegedly witnessed this squadron of shape-shifting black helicopters. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we move to March 30th, this time 1905, Wales, Barmouth, uh, the Welsh airship flap that went up to about 1909 uh, <clears throat> with a lot of really strange sort of men in black-like encounters uh, and these uh, uh, people speaking unknown languages and so forth. Uh, there's a specific incident in 1905 at, that was on March 30th where the Barmouth Advertiser reported that a credible woman of peasant stock. Yes. So that even though she was a peasant, she was credible you could believe and exceptionally her. intelligent. Claimed that she was visited by uh, classic uh, three times by sort of the classic bedroom invader that we've talked about before. But there's oh. a sort of a, an image of a man in black. Uh-oh. And he delivered a message so horrific, so disturbing that she would not reveal what it was. Really? That so, bad? There you go. Juan once heard that. Story before. without an ending. <laughs> okay, April. April 2nd, 1982, Austin, Texas. Uh, three uh, uh, young ladies, uh, teenagers. They're uh, 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 Jennifer, Mary, and Sally. They're driving home toward Waco. At about 2 a.m., uh, they realize that uh, all of a sudden they're missing about three hours. And they have they didn't see anything. They have no, no way to account for it. Over the several weeks, they start having these uh, bizarre nightmares, and their their dreams about being abducted mm-hmm. by some kind of uh, dwarf like 
entities with frog-like faces. Frog. <clears throat> doesn't, doesn't sound very, uh, yeah, I know, sounds a little appealing. bit creepy. And, and then they remember that they, they you know, underwent the classic medical exam, yes. and they were told, you will forget, but they didn't forget. They didn't forget. <clears throat> okay. So what's the, what's the, what's the uh, classic medical exam? Um, Probing? Well, uh, check your blood pressure. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, okay. You know, uh, <laughs> make sure that, uh, you know, check your feet for diabetes. Uh, you know, all that stuff. Does Blue Cross? It's called the Whitley Strieber uh, exam, it's if special. you're familiar yeah. with that. <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, May 5th, 1980. <laughs> Kirkland Air Force Base, yes. Albuquerque, New Mexico. Myrna Hansen, she an, another classic alien abduction experience. She has the missing time. She this time they're, they're again they're short guys, but they're little black eyed aliens. Oh. And uh, the the exam is very similar to the classic Betty and Barney field exam. Uh, but the thing is, the thing where it gets a little bit strange is she's taken somewhere else after the exam, and it's it's. When she describes it, it's just very much like a classified off-limits bunker that exists at Kirkland Air Force Base. Interesting. When the uh, brass found out about it, they were freaking out. Like, how could this woman know about this stuff? And, of course, we have a lot of uh, rumors that the military and the the aliens work together. And some people think that there's a doing faction what? of the military that does doing this. What? And one hand doesn't know what the other hand is doing. I just want to ask you, you know, for the people who believe that the aliens and the U.S. military work together, doing what? What are they doing? <laughs> what are they up to? Are they building condos, or you know, what, um, what, why aren't what? what the, the aliens are basically mess cooks and stuff. Are they really? Yeah, the help, the service. Yeah, they made the beds. And, why aren't we all you know riding around in jet belts and stuff if they're you know in league with the aliens? Well, maybe they're developing some kind of food service like the To Serve Man episode on the there Twilight you go, Zone. On Twilight Zone, it's a cookbook. Let me just okay. throw this to. Can I just throw this to Gary Olson maybe. for real quick? Can I just? Yes. All right. Gary, have we mentioned your birthday? Is your birthday a haunted birthday? Is he still there? He's in the chat. Oh, there he is. It is uh, April 9th. April 9th. Which is, believe it or not, when Lee surrendered a grant to end the Civil War. Really? Wow. Because of you. Okay. Interesting, Gary. That, you would... that is a major no, coincidence. No, not because of me. It just happens to be the That's same, pretty cool. same date. That's all. Hey, Raven, when's your That's birthday? Cool. Don't tell us what year. Raven, what's your birthday? Don't tell us the year. We'll be all... Ashamed. Uh, February. Yeah, I won't tell you the year. Okay. It's, it's devastating. Um, <laughs> Not to February us. February 25th. That's my birthday. I'm a Pisces. Shut up. No, it is. My February 9th is my birthday. I'm an Aquarius. I missed the date. What's the date, Raven? You're an Aquarius? Yes. Okay. Oh, February 8th. Besides. <laughs> Are you really? So you're an Aquarius. Yes. Gary Olson is an Aries. Very Juan, cool. Juan, what's your birthday? June twenty second. Oh, he's he's in. He had to look it up. He had to look it up. <laughs> Hold on. Are you a Cancer or a Leo? Cancer. Oh, you're a Leo, right? Cancer. A cancer. Cancer. You don't know. That's yes. The one I always. Okay. Grew up. So, so you have a Pisces? Is that birthday? the angle? I'm right on the cusp of Cancer. Oh, what you, Libra? Okay. Okay. What 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 do you what are you raving? Are you a Pisces? I know nothing about this stuff. Pisces. Talking to girls. So what kind of you know, what kind of uh I live for this. 
what sign uh, is Kumbaya with you? Sorry, Switchy. What, uh, how, do, how do Aquarians and Pisces get together, for instance? I can tell you because I'm an Aquarian and my wife is a Pisces. Oh, really? Okay. So it's, <laughs> please. We'll, we'll throw it over. We'll throw it over the club. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Aquarians are trouble. Okay. All right. Why don't we just move on? Go ahead, Switchy. Please. Okay. Uh, May 11th, 1950, the famous McMinnville, Oregon, Paul Trent photograph. This thing, uh, he's uh, kind of on the farm. This uh, cl- uh, a UFO flies over. His wife draws attention to it, and he snaps a picture. It's, it's classic. It looks like a like an upside-down pie plate with a point on the top. Oh, yeah, sure. And yep. supposedly, some have examined it, and it's actually supposed to be a sizable craft but who knows? Right. That's a that's a really um, famous uh, that's a really famous photograph, and this that's actually right. featured in Life Magazine. Believe it or not, we should do a whole show on this special edition of Life Magazine where they just get into the UFOs early fifties. You know what are they? And they have military people speaking openly about it. It's really, really? kind of interesting. Mm. And they show this picture, and that's what it looks like. It looks like a pie plate with a little point on it. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of during a storm. There's an electrical cord in front of it. But because of the things in the foreground, they could determine how big the thing was in the background. Yeah. And it's a substantial size, you know, aircraft, let's say. And, you know, they, they double-checked the people who took it. They're the you know, people on the farm that could care less about taking pictures of UFOs, you know. It's a really intriguing story. They could care less because they're, they're a dime a dozen. They're ev- well, they, everywhere. They, they're not the kind of people who would hoax it, let's put it yeah, that way. You know? Right. So so then right after that, the the government's attitude kind of changed about it. But, you know, when this happened and when they were really doing scientific study into it, Life magazine just, like, followed these guys around for months. Wow. It's really an intriguing thing. And then right after that came out, boom, everything changed. So anyway, sorry. That's the story. Of the I'd photo. like to get an archive copy of that. It's I have it. I'll send it to you. For you do. Yeah, I'll send it to you for ten bucks. <laughs> I'll trade you with my double What's fantasy that? album. Okay, you got it. Please. May sixteenth, nineteen sixty-six. Yes. This takes place at Mount Misery, New York. And anybody that's read the Mothman ben, prophecies ben there. knows about Mount Misery because there was a lot of high strangeness uh, air uh, things going on at the same time that things were happening in Point Pleasant mm-hmm. and the Ohio Valley. A lady named Jane Perrow was a key figure in the Mothman prophecies. And she and a man named Richard uh, had seen this bright light over Mount Misery. Yes. They uh, had missing time. They were actually paralyzed for a while. And <clears throat> later on in the, in the next day, she gets a call and is told to go to this particular library. Yes. She goes to the library, supposedly, a very strange woman in black is there with kind of old-fashioned uh, clothes on, old-fashioned dress. Like and the librarian. gives her, hands her this book Yes, that she, she, she that, yeah, the strange librarian hands her this book that uh, uh, she told that she was told about on the phone, and it's just a bizarre experience. The the writing is supposed to uh, uh, expand and then subtract or whatever, mm. wow. and uh, had had a strange message on it. Just one of these things that didn't seem to make any sense in the grand scheme of things. Perfect. June fourteenth, two thousand and five. Now we're in the big thicket, Texas. The big thicket on the east side of Texas is where a lot of Bigfoot sightings have been seen. But okay. also, there's a famous ghost light there on Bragg Road. Oh, I've heard and the ghost the light. author, yeah. Nick yep. Redfern. Yes? Yes, I've heard of that. That light on that road is really kind of a spooky place, for sure. 
Well, it, it's anywhere from the size of a tennis ball to a basketball. And Redfern actually saw it himself one night in, mm-hmm. in the mid-June uh, on Bragg Road. It didn't last very long, but uh, it was, you know, paranormal investigators don't always get to see the thing for themselves. Right. we got two Number minutes. Nine, two July minutes. July 25th, 1998. Yes. Two minutes, Switchy. Two minutes. Two minute warning. Let's go to the last one. Yes, good. Uh, it's, it's, another, it's another big thicket one. <laughs> Alan Briggs th- driving along in the afternoon. Hey, yes. there's a, all of a sudden he sees this huge lizard running upright in front of his car. It's about eight foot tall. Texas. It's bright green, yes. wearing a bl- bright blue outfit. Okay, there you go. Well Hard enough to accept a lizard man upright running in front of your car. Well dressed. And the damn thing is dressed. Uh, <laughs> then it's even a little harder to uh, to deal with. Hmm. The one I, I skipped over here yes. was a uh, in Wiltshire, 1998, yes. uh, was a crop circle. Uh, somebody saw this. Paul Parker uh, saw a a crop circle. Saw a beam come down and saw a crop circle form in front of him. It was just the one circle, and then the beam went away. And the corn, you know, kind of swirled and went down, mm. and that was it. Wow. So that's just a sampling of yes. some of the stuff that's happened throughout a calendar, uh, on the calendar, but over different years. So, yeah, something weird happens every day, you know. Let's face it, you know, something very strange happens. People always think that UFOs hide from people they don't. People see them. So a thousand UFO sightings around the world every month. A thousand every month, month after month. You look up in the sky and you say they you, you, you got to be kidding me that there isn't, a, you know, life someplace else. Right. I mean that that that's the thing that yes. uh, keeps a lot of people going. Well, listen, they wish they had seen something. Right. But so, you know, speaking of uh, life somewhere else, we're going to say goodbye to Gary Olson, Big G O. You got to turn on the light there. No, oh, there he is. He's waiting. See you, Gary. Plug your plug your book again. Plug your head on. I'm going to go get your book. Plug your book again. It's 15 geniuses behind the lens found on Amazon.com. The name is Gary, G-A-R-Y, last name O-L-S-E-N, not O-N-E-N. Right. Okay. Got it. Did you you thank old Mac Maloney in that book? For what? Oh, yes, I did. For what? For what? For what? For sure. Because he was a guiding personality that uh, with his experience – Yes. In the, uh, on, in the book field, he taught me so many things that I thought I can retire on this book. That's this why is, I quit my job. This is called, oh. it's called log rolling in the biz. So <laughs> at some point, I'm going to have to say something wonderful about his book. <laughs> it's called log rolling. Log rolling, in, yes. Yeah. You, lo- you roll it this way, I roll it that way. <laughs> I log get rolling. it. Cool. A little bit of wisdom. <laughs> That's cool. Thank you, GL, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Until next time. Club, thank you for joining us. We're gonna we're gonna save Raven. Well, thank you last. for having me. It was, okay. This was a lot of fun. Okay, you got a little friend there on your microphone. What's going on there? Who Santa? Is that switchy? Oh, I thought it was switch. Sorry. Okay. Oh, <laughs> that was a little switch doll. All right. Santa's there, okay. Uh, no, the- it's Mr. Bill. Remember Mr. Bill? Oh, yeah, I do. Saturday Night Live? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Mr. Bill. Yeah. There you Mr. Go. Bill as Santa. He plays Santa tonight. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. I'll be Ringmaster Sluggo. Ringmaster yeah, Sluggo. Gets- <laughs> yeah. Oh, gets- no. He always gets crushed by Santa. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, he appears in a lot of fetish films, people tell fetish me. Fetish films? Yes. Mr. Bill. <laughs> 
Thank you, Club, for joining us. Okay, we'll talk just soon. Thank you. That's, that's a segment we should do. Top 10 fetishes of all time. <laughs> Raven, do you want to read that list? <laughs> Top 10 fetishes of all time. Can you imagine that? And a two-hour show. You then, could relate it to movies, too. There you go. Quentin Tarantino would take <laughs> yeah. up half the two hours. I'm going to say goodbye to Switchy only because we're going to save Raven for last. Thank you, Switchy, for joining us. It was uh, great to be here he's, until the top ten finishes. He's, he's, he's getting so he's like he's like club now. They're getting like dressed it. up. Look at them. I like the train wreck, the train wreck photo at the end of the show. Yeah, great. thank you. Yeah, part of the tradition. It's. it's <laughs> can we have a postcard made of that? Memory. <laughs> <laughs> We're wasting Raven's valuable time. Uh, Raven, thanks Raven. for joining us. Raven. Thank you. Switch, the, the club's doing obscene things with his Santa Claus. Good thing we're a radio show for this. <laughs> wow. Wow. Whoever edits this, good luck. Raven, thanks for joining us, lightening up the show, classing up the show. <laughs> Thank you again for having me. I had smart. a lot of fun. Can you uh, do you do psychic? I mean, uh, astrological readings. Could you tell me what's wrong with me? Just because I'm, because <laughs> so, I'm an Aquarius. You just don't measure up, Mac. Oh, there you put that um, thing away. <laughs> I guess that's a no. <laughs> okay, we can talk about it off off, um, off microphone if you want. It's better. Um, it's better if you get your your cards read. Honestly, that will kind of help you um, as far as knowing what what your issue is, really, and what you need to do in order to resolve it. Tarot cards. Tarot cards. No regular cards. Regular mm-hmm. cards. Yeah. Okay, that always get for you. Ex- extra jokers would be serious. Four jokers in a row. <laughs> in a two. <laughs> I got a full house. And a douche. You get on jokers. <laughs> and the directions, how to play poker. <laughs> wow. Oh. So, <laughs> can you read my tarot cards, Raven? Can we do it on the air? Probably. Okay. I can just kind of show them to you. Okay. All right. But will you? Will you? Will it be bad news? It's always bad news, though, right? No, necessarily. No, that's. No, no. no. I I look at tarot cards to be um, a positive. Oh, do, um, okay. Outlook. Club. Will you uh, go first? Because it's it's really like guidance. It's guidance for you to, okay. to work you through. Uh, a difficult time. Okay. I don't think they're people. People look at them in a negative light, and I don't think that's right. Okay. Hey, club, were when you, you say uh, a difficult time? You mean like a like Schmack show, right? Yeah, don't don't switch to a material. <laughs> like like Mac, just because you you pull the Grim Reaper doesn't mean you're going to die. Don't say that. So, it hey, means you're working through something that's pretty serious. Hey, club, will you have your tarot really? cards read? Club, the guy with the Santa Claus on his head at the moment. Oh, absolutely. Okay. I look forward to it. So he's an Aquarius, so whatever applies for him applies to me. So let him go through it. How's that, Clubby? Okay. <laughs> I got to say, 
I got to say, Club, you kind of look like a guy that might be uh, in a padded room right now. <laughs> well, well you know, after you're on the show for three hours, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, <laughs> yes. we wouldn't put a Santa Claus Anything doll goes. on his head. Right. My wife has to calm me down now. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Another show. Thank you. Thank you, Raven, for joining us. Let's set that up in the future. Thank you, Club. Thank you, Switchy. Thank you, Juan Juan. You're welcome. Okay. The, the, uh, I live for this. What's the uh, the plugs? Are, um, the plugs are oh, Homes for Our Troops. Just Google Homes for Our Troops. Uh, they are a military charity that builds homes for wounded veterans of the Afghan and uh, Iraqi war. Homes for Our Troops. Just Google them. They're a great organization. Um, the People's Mosquito Project. Ross Shop and his mad Englishman friends are putting back together a war bird, war plane from World War II called the Mosquito, made wood, two Rolls Royce engines, fastest thing in World War II for about two years. Yeah. You don't smoke it. while you're fl- piloting one of these no, things. No, you don't. They're crazy. They're so fast they didn't put guns on it because they could outrun everyone. That's what's cool. They could about. outrun the bullets. Right. So when they rebuild this thing, they're going to they're gonna bring us up for rides. That ought to be fun. How about that, huh? Parachutes included. Yeah, we're going to have a pre-show meeting before that, believe me. So anyway, yeah, so uh, um, Rush Hop, People's Mosquito Project, and uh, we are now on our podcast. We're on about 27 different platforms. You name the platform, we're on it. We're on it. Uh, just Google Mac Maloney's Military X-Files, you'll get a list of about 28 uh, right. different places. Right, yeah, yeah. And on Alexa, you say, yeah, Alexa, please. Uh, did you have to say please? No, you don't, you don't you have to say, say please. please that? Okay. No. You just say, uh, Alexa, Alexa, play Mac Maloney's Military X-Files on Apple Podcasts, and uh, suddenly we are there. And you can fast fast forward and fast rewind on that. Did you know that? With Alexa? Yeah, yeah. You just go five minutes ahead or go back. Any oh, kind of, really? Yeah, I didn't know yeah. That. It's good. Yeah. Oh, that's a good feature. Okay. Uh, so those are the plugs. Thank you, everyone. Thank uh, everyone uh, for joining us. And thank you out there for listening. And until next time, this is Mac and the entire gang saying be safe, be happy, and bye bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.